Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I'm your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, real quick question. Have you noticed how music is a very powerful medium, and so is artwork, a powerful medium of not only conveying messages and themes or theology themes or even false theology themes, uh, it, it is powerful for conveying these messages because it attaches itself to, to music, which appeals not only to our head, but also to our heart. And, uh, and so the messages that come along with uh, songs, Christian songs or otherwise, uh, oftentimes have a very profound impact on how we believe and teach and confess. Have you noticed that? There's a reason for it. And uh, it goes back to an ancient uh, formula that the that the, the church fathers came up with. It's a Latin phrase. It's called lex arendi lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. What you pray, what you sing, oftentimes becomes what you believe. And so what we've done today is we've invited uh, Joe Hogg back on to uh, Fighting for the Faith uh, to discuss the theology in her uh, in her latest songs, uh, but uh, also talk about that connection between theology and doctrine and the arts and the impact that it has on Christians and why we as Christians need to be careful and discerning when it comes to what we're consuming when it comes to our musical choices. Uh, Joe Ann Hogg, uh, Thanks for coming back on Fighting for the Faith. How are you today? Thank you for having me. All right. So you're you're in Northern Ireland, and last time we had you on, we were discussing your album, uh, Apologia Pilgrim. Uh, And uh, and by the time this airs, our our hope is that this will be out on uh, Apple Music and so that people can actually, if they have an Apple Music subscription, they can listen to it. But uh, when we consider the importance that music plays in the role of a Christian, I don't think that can be understated. Uh, you know, as and as somebody who creates uh, musical content and is, is skilled in this particular art form, um, how how impactful does you know can music be on what it is that we believe, teach, and confess as Christians? Um, that's a good question, and it's um, it's not easily answered. I think. Um, Music, I think some people are more um, susceptible to the influence of music than others. Um, okay. And and I think uh, I, as a creative, I am, I am an emotional person. Um, music affects me very, um, very deeply. Um, and that and, and that's been the case from I've been a child. Um, I, I could have cried as a child listening to some classical music um, because it just it was so sad and it was so emotive. Um, and so I I have come at music and creativity with that kind of, you know, mind and mm-hmm. uh, soul. Um, but... Uh, I, I can I can understand because I'm like that. I can understand how easily um, people can be emotionally influenced, manipulated by the music they're listening to. I mean, I also know a little bit about the kind of neuroscience of how 
listening to music and listening to certain types of music and rhythmical music can actually um, cause neurochemical changes in our brains so that, yeah. you know, we bec- we can become more suggestible um, after, you know, prolonged exposure to that kind of sound. So, uh, and, uh, and I've only become really aware of that um, in recent years. Um, but now that I understand some of that, I can see how um, I was being influenced um, by, by music mm-hmm. in the context of um, worship. Uh, that I would be, I'd be responding emotionally to the music, um, and uh, the the sort of critical thinking, actually, actually thinking about what I'm, I was singing, um, became secondary. Yeah. And and you know, and I, I think that's uh, that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Music, music, really, legitimately. I mean, depending on how it's composed and put together, um, it, it, it. Oftentimes, artists are looking for a particular feeling that they're trying to evoke. Uh, mm. I, th- I think the kids nowadays, the, the creatives now, they, they try to create a vibe. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, yes. that's the language <laughs> that they that they use. You know, they yeah. try to create a vibe. So, um, but but and and so that being the case, they are intentionally uh, constructing their chords and their uh, and their and their music constructions, you know, their sentences, mm. if you would, in music, uh, for the purpose of creating that vibe. And I I think that's pretty that's pretty much still what's happening in contemporary Christian music or in places that are producing uh, Christian worship mm-hmm. music. Um, there's a high value regarding the vibe that is um, created by the music. I think um, vibe and atmosphere can almost be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, so as, as somebody who's led worship along these lines, uh, you know, uh, was was the the evocative uh, sense of it? What what emotion was being evoked? What vibe was being created? Uh, was that oftentimes a uh, you know a, a decision you know that you were intentionally making uh, when you were putting uh, together things like this? Um, I that was definitely a, the construct in in some of the environments. Um, I wasn't very often leading um, leading worship on my mm-hmm. own. Um, it was usually with, you know, a few other musicians and, and each one of us would be kind of, you know, sharing in the, in the actual leading. And mm-hmm. I, I, I always kind of, I veered away. I sort of held back from, um, Let's say doing the doing the more prophetic thing of you know mm-hmm. speaking things out as you thought of them and um, I, I try I tried to focus more and focus people on praising God that it was just it was an act of praise it was a sacrifice of praise um, and uh, but I wasn't I was in environments where you know people were wanting you to kind of respond to the um 
you know, the prophetic utterances that people were making. They wanted the they wanted the music to kind of get more um, rousing, more passionate, um, more energetic. And uh, sometimes I ended up I was just like. I'm I'm just I'm just enjoying the music here, but mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about what's what's actually going on in in the environment. Um, you know, so it's probably why I didn't become a big name in the in the worship leading scene um, because I, I I used to I used to find this introduction, you know, to the to um a congregation let's call them up of you know the band the band are now gonna lead us into the presence of god oh, and, I, and i'm thinking statement. i'm i'm thinking like you know big expectation here or even yeah. or even this this expression to host the presence of god and I and I think, well, God's here. He's here already. You know, I'm I'm not inviting <laughs> inviting them to come, you know, in a special way, or um, you know, make trial. It was like I felt the expectation, you know, of me as a musician was um, something that I just really wasn't comfortable with yeah uh that this is like i'm oh it's up to me it's like you know oh i'm i am supposed to carry some kind of special anointing so and i and i never kind of felt confident that i did yeah um i i I used and and i think you know sometimes people people would sort of hint afterwards that, you know, I was just maybe a little bit um, afraid to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that I that I was in some way um, inhibiting or suppressing what the Holy Spirit really wanted to do. Um, but there were other times when, you know, I, I was leading worship on my own and uh, people would. Um, I, I mean, I seem to have this. <laughs> I seem to have this ability to make people cry when I mm. sing and play. Um, and people would just respond very emotionally to what I was playing, and and then make make a big thing out of that being, you know. The presence, mm-hmm. you know, that was the anointing. That was, you know, the Holy Spirit really uh, working in people's hearts and kind of um, this would this would have been to accompany like ministry time. So, uh, you know, looking back now, I just think, you know, this was just it was like there was so much emotional response going on and and not a lot of uh, thought being given to the actual words yeah. so they a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the lyrics would be quite repetitive 
you know, and, and you would end up kind of just singing the same thing or, or improvising on the same few chords because um, the people wanted to kind of extend the atmosphere and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, prolong it or they don't want it to end, you know. It's, it's as if, like, when, when the music stops, <laughs> you know, God leaves, the presence leaves, the anointing evaporates. Um, so, the, yes, like there was, a, I used to actually feel a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, in, in those environments, I thought it's, it's not really all about the music. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I would note that, uh, that the, the idea that somehow the, the ability to make you cry or to have these emotions being <laughs> equated with the Holy Spirit is a dangerous thing. Uh, I, you know, just, just do the historical work. Go, you know, you know, go back and look at how young girls reacted to the Beatles when the Beatles mm-hmm. first came out. All right. They, they would, they would go on a, on a TV show and there'd be girls in the audience. As soon as they started playing, these girls would like, like not only lose their minds, they would be full on weeping. I mean, just mm-hmm. crying, right? And and uh, that's not the Holy Spirit. I can legitimately say, of all the things that 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 God has done, He has not sent His Holy Spirit to give a special unction, a special atmosphere mm-hmm. at a Beatles conference, you know, or, or concert, you know. So that that's not that's 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 mm-hmm. not a thing. So, um, and and my concern then is that when people are led by their emotions and their brains are turned off, that is the perfect environment for deception to take root. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I am an example of it Um, because I, I love music. I've always responded, you know, emotionally to music. Um, And, I just I, I got drawn in. I loved the music. Yeah. Um, and I loved the I loved the kind of the dynamic of playing with other musicians. And uh, you know, in these environments where they want to kind of extend the atmosphere and prolong it, um, you are having to kind of musically improvise. Yeah. And uh, and and I, I kind of I quite enjoyed that. I li- I liked it, but I I was always there was always this kind of tension for me because I I didn't feel like I was totally immersed in it. Yeah, there was there was still just this this little this little kind of thought in my head, um, you know, this keep keep the focus on jesus you know keep the focus on him this this is this is you know not about an emotional experience it's detached from Mm -hmm. the truth about who he is um but i you know when i look now at these kind of like videos of you know the mega churches and and the music and the whole production of it I just, I kind of recoil from it. I just, mm-hmm. I, I cannot, um, I can't really can't watch it because I, I just, uh, I know that 
I know that a lot of people are are sincerely um, expressing love for Jesus, but it's. I think a lot of a lot of the time it's like um, their knowledge and understanding of who they're loving. Yeah. Is 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 it's different. It's like the sort of romantic kind of um like yeah. I'm just I'm just all in. I'm totally in love um with God and uh and I'm and this is how I'm expressing it. But uh it's not now having kind of been away from that for like three years. I can cr- I can break down and cry singing an old hymn. Yeah. In a little in a little church with 30 people in it because the words are just absolutely hitting me like <laughs> like right. full force. I'm like <gasps> The it's, words uh, are hitting you. I, I like yeah. the way you said that. Um, and and that, that's really the difference. So the cash value uh, in today's megachurches has to do with the, the emotive uh, ability, how, you know, what kind of emotion is being evoked. Uh, and, and this is with, you know, seven words repeated 11 times. We call them 711 songs. And, and, and it's emotion almost for the sake of emotion. And as a result of it, there is, there is very little theology, if any, that is conveyed in these things. Yet, um, yet you know, the, all the emotions are there. Um, but that stuff wears off after a while. Whereas when you have content, you know, emotions that are driven by content, uh, like the actual lyrics, and it's and those lyrics are strongly grounded in what the scriptures teach. Uh, that's a whole different experience altogether. Um, yeah, you know, and and so uh, yeah, this comes back to this idea of lex arendi, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. What you, what you pray, what you sing, ultimately becomes what you end up believing. And I think back to the uh, the ancient church. Uh, there was a heresy called the Arian heresy. Mm-hmm. This isn't about a bunch of Germans. It's about uh, the Arian heresy is a is a heresy put by, forward by a guy by the name of Arius. And yeah. his and his doctrine was that Jesus is not God the Son, second person of the Trinity, you know, eternally begotten of the yeah. Father. Instead, uh, Jesus is the first and greatest creation of God, and that uh, and that Jesus is a creature. And that heresy grew like wildfire in the mm. ancient church because Arius knew that uh, he could teach this this doctrine of his. And, yeah. and 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 convey it through music, and so mm-hmm. he actually wrote a very a bunch of popular songs that you know, that people loved to sing in church. And wouldn't you know it, uh, people singing those songs ended up becoming Aryan heretics as a result of it. And so he knew that the uh, the, the, the that music itself is not neutral. It is something that absolutely picks a side. And it's going to either pick a side with conveying a message of heresy or leading you away from Christ, or it can be uh, grounded in what the scriptures 
say and and help deepen your understanding of who God is and what he's done for us. And then emotions then come from, you know, can actually spring from that. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole point is not the emotion, but the whole point is the message. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And then I, I'll, I'll give well, you an example of something here. Sh- well, shortly. well, funny. Um, uh, I, I, when I was listening to um, Doreen Virtue, Dave Jenkins talk about about this um, recently, um, Doreen actually you talked about um, the Aryan uh, heresy and how how that had you know. Um, been propagated through doxology, through through singing, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I didn't know that. I was, I was really um, quite fascinated. I'd kind of heard of Arianism, but I, I didn't know about the um, uh, the combination of 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 the music um, with the theology, um, and you know, I've kind of. I, I went through um, a lot of the songs that I had in my uh, in my iPad that I that I used to uh, lead in worship, and I kind of went through it. And a lot of them, a lot of them theologically were they were kind of okay. There was nothing sort of um, really um, obviously stand out problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were then there were those ones that you know were were really problematic and uh and you know and were really a lot more about what we are doing <laughs> than what god has done yeah um, yeah so uh singing about ourselves <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and and uh, yeah, that, that that is a huge problem in today's. You know, uh, you make me brave. I am so brave. You know. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So so let me let me show you let me show you an example of of what I'm talking about here and uh, and I don't I haven't really discussed this on an episode of Fighting for the Faith. I, I pastor a a Lutheran congregation in Oslo, Minnesota. Uh, Kongsvinger yeah. Lutheran Church. I also pastor another congregation in Radium, Minnesota. Uh, so uh, you know, it, we we pastors who serve in rural areas do not have the luxury of only serving one congregation. Uh, you know, you know. So we, we, our Sundays are very busy. When when we finish up mm-hmm. one church, we pack up and head off to another one. And I yeah. know some guys who serve three congregations. I don't know how they do it. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, with the shortage I of pastors, I grew up with my dad's served two. Yeah, because we it was a rural congregation, and actually the church the church I go to now, um, the the minister uh, goes from our service, his like fifteen minute drive, and he goes to yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah so I, I, yeah. I got a half hour drive between between mm-hmm. the two churches, so I, I serve one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and I do the same thing. But but the question comes up, so you know, how do I pick the hymns? We don't have a band in either of those uh, congregations, uh, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, when I sit down to uh, to pick the hymns, because we, we follow a hymnal, um, the, the thing that is the most important is which biblical text will I be preaching on, and then which hymns are, are, are going to 
fit, are going to kind of fit in and fill in uh, the theology or the doctrinal point that I'm going to make as the main point in the sermon that I preach on that biblical text. So what's in the driver's seat is God's word. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I follow a lectionary, and and so I have three assigned texts every single week. Every single so week, I got, yeah, <laughs> so three assigned three assigned texts. I got an Old Testament text, I got an epistle, and I got a gospel. And yeah. there's there's a genius behind the lectionary because what the lectionary does is in the course of one calendar year, it goes through all of the doctrines of Scripture, all the major doctrines of Scripture in one whole year from creation to the fall to redemption to the different teachings of Christ it gets them all including eschatology eschatology we do three whole weeks on eschatology every single year uh, in the uh, in the month of November and so it, it, there's there's a there's a real big you know piece of all of this the the word is the centerpiece of all of this and everything has to work around the biblical text and so uh talking about content let me do this real quick i'm going to pull this up there we go we are looking at um a, a uh, the my kindle version of the lutheran service book which is the hymnal that we use in the congregations that i serve and over and again People who are you know, who've come out of evangelicalism, this hymn, uh, five seventy eight in the Lutheran service book, "Thy Strong Word," becomes like a favorite hymn for them, and I have a hard time singing this hymn without getting choked up, mm-hmm. and um, and so I always look forward to uh, biblical texts where then I can pull this hymn out to support uh, the uh, the preaching of God's word. And so uh, li- listen to the lyrics. I'll, I'll start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on lyric one and then uh, stanza uh, three. Uh, thy strong word did cleave the darkness. At thy speaking it was done. For created light we thank thee while thine ordered seasons run. I mean, this is just Genesis one, two, and three kind of stuff right here. And it's just so good how, and it affirms that we were created by the word of God. God brought the universe into existence by speaking it into existence. And then he set everything up in order, right? And then of course you got the the chorus, Alleluia, Alleluia, praise to thee who light does send. Alleluia, Alleluia, without end. The, the stanza that I cannot sing without uh, without a catch, I mean, it, I always get an emotional one because it comes right back to the heart of the gospel. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Glorious now we press towards glory in our lives our hopes confess. It's like... That's the imputed righteousness of Christ, and it's right there in this. Uh, and it's it, and and you're you're gonna note here that this is content driven. This is biblical text driven. This is message driven songs and worship. And, uh, and there's even aspects of it that oftentimes become prayerful. Rather than exalting us, uh, it, it oftentimes instead in the song or the hymn will end up praying uh, you know, uh, one yeah. of the stanzas and, in, and asking God to give us things that we, uh, that we need. Uh, stanza five, give us lips to sing thy glory, tongues thy mercy to proclaim, throats that shout the hope that fills us, mouths to speak thy holy name. Uh, you know, it just, and, 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 and if you ever heard the tune to this thing, oh, oh it, 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 it absolutely 
is an amazing hymn. But today's modern NAR charismatics would say that this is this is spiritless, this is dead, this is uh, you know all these kinds of things. Too much content, too much thinking with your brain, kind of stuff. Uh, you know, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, it's I um, I I started to sing and look again at some older hymns. Um, now I. Uh, here in in Northern Ireland, um, we we have a, we use a lot. We use the um, the Keith Getty um, music. It's like, and we laugh because we're we're good friends with the Gettys. And mm-hmm. uh, in our in our church, um, the the lady who is usually picking the hymns is trying to pick hymns that um, fit with the readings as well. Mm-hmm. And and almost like every Sunday, so there are only three hymns sung, one at the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, most Sundays, two or maybe all of them are um, from Getty Music or they're old. They're, they're really quite old. And... Uh, some of them are, oh my goodness, the, the words are incredible. And I know with the, with, um, the Gettys and their writing team, they are really delving into scripture yeah. and biblical theology to write their lyrics. It's very, very strong um, biblical testing of everything uh, because they, they, you know the hymn in Christ Alone? Mm-hmm. Well, that was a Getty hymn, and uh, when they apparently when the Presbyterian Church in America were reissuing a new hymnal, they wanted to change the lyric mm-hmm. um, that said um, the wrath of God was satisfied in the you know in the cross, and yep. uh, they wanted to say they wanted to change it to the love of God was magnified. And uh, and 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 uh, the the writers, um, which was which was Keith Gaddy and Stuart Townend, they they refused. They just yeah. said no, no. I mean, don't put it in your hymn book then. <laughs> but uh, you're not but changing the, fact the lyric. That they would the fact that they would take issue with that lyric. Okay, yeah. and that lyric legitimately is biblical. I mean, see Isaiah fifty three. If you're not convinced, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Uh, you yeah. know, he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement that brought us peace with God. You know, and so, and by his stripes we're hit. Yeah, that, that absolutely, and we're saved from the wrath to come. So, he, that that is a biblical lyric. It legitimately summarizes exactly what the scriptures reveal. That we yeah. are saved from God's wrath against, and rightly earned wrath, by the way, because of our sin and rebellion against God. Um, and and so you'll note that the PCUSA here in the United States, uh, they they a, a while back, they they jumped the tracks and and headed deep and you know deep to the left. And as a result of that, they they didn't want to hear any more about the wrath of God. The left generally doesn't. And as yeah. a result of it, their theology changed. Their theology was no longer in line with Scripture. So when they ran across a hymn that they still liked, 
but the lyrics didn't yeah. fit with their theology. They wanted they they wanted the right to change the hymn to conform to their new and unbiblical theology. I'm glad to hear mm -hmm. that the Garys uh, said no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was an absolute um, yeah no no we're not no. No, we're not. So that um, it's great that you know they were absolutely not compromising on that yeah. at all. Um, but I. This has been my experience now when I am singing, you know, a hymn in church with just, a, you know, a small congregation of people. And yeah. it's uh, we just have organ or piano. And there's there is no kind of emotional, really emotional kind of push with the, the music. Yeah, it's really just it's very, very simple. Um, I mean, mel the melody still matters, mm -hmm. but the the words, the words that hit me, and and actually the first after lockdown and after like two years of not being in church services, um, the first Sunday that I went to um, this uh, Church of Ireland that someone had had told me, you know, the minister there. He loves the word of God and he's really faithful. He preaches from scripture. And so I, I had gone on my own to this service and it was still at a time when, you know, every other pew was roped off and people were wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I went in and the first hymn they sang um, was, was actually one of the new Irish hymns and I had recorded it 22 years ago when that first album of Irish hymns came out. And the the lyrics is, my heart is filled with thankfulness. It's just, it's a thank, it's a hymn of thankfulness for the gospel, for yeah. everything that Jesus has done. And I literally, I, I got about halfway through the first verse and I was weeping. I thought, wow, I was like, and people, you know, people look on, on this kind of environment as being dead and, you know, not not having the real life and everything. And I thought, I'm way more emotional right now. I feel this more deeply in my soul than I ever felt in an, in an environment where the music was amazing. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and, I can't and really. There's something the to be said about that because uh, the idea here is is that is that Christianity, uh, it, it, it from time to time has been blessed with um, larger churches that had greater resources and that had the money to put into. Uh, better equipment and and uh, and a music director and things like this. Uh, that that's that's always a blessing from God. But the thing is, is that historically those churches are few and far between. Um, mm. And uh, the 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 majority of Christian churches throughout the history of the Christian Church have had less than 150 people. 
Hmm. And, uh, and uh, you, you know, and j- just think that out for a second here, uh, which means they don't have a lot of resources. So a piano or an organ are within their budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll note that that leads to a very minimalistic, um, uh, you know, uh, w- uh, worship music, you know, with one major uh, with one major instrument leading, you know, the congregational worship. Uh, but that's never stopped God, the Holy Spirit, from doing His work, and uh, and so the hymns of the past they're they're wonderful because uh, you know I, I I kind of built a, a, a recent episode of Fighting for the Faith just a few episodes back talked about the fact that so many Christians they have no concept of church history. Uh, the, the, church history crazy. began you know, like five minutes ago. <laughs> You know, and mm-hmm. and there's no appreciation for the fact that uh, Christ is legitimately said in the, in the Great Commission. Uh, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, it, it, teaching them all t- uh, that I have, you know, the, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ has been with His church the entire time. Uh, there, there have been Christians. Throughout the world for the last two millennia, and uh, and they've they they have added their own little contribution uh, to the 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 church in the hymns that we that we sing. One of the things I love when I see you know you know I'll pull out a hymn for a sermon. Uh, or you know to to match with the sermon, and then I'll look at you know when it was first published, and so Lutheran service book is good on that. And if if it says something like ninth century, I just sit there and go yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. You know, th- this this is the this is the ninth century's com- you know contribution to the church uh, as a whole. And uh, and there's certain re- there's a reason why certain songs uh, will make it and have that kind of lasting power, and other songs uh, might be uh, you know might have some popularity for a, a short season, but eventually fall away. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a rare thing. You know, and so we have these the, like the hymn books of old are like the greatest hits of of hymn, of Christian hymnody and worship for almost two millennia. And the ones that can make the cut, you know, they're, they, they, they have lasting power for a reason, and it's driven by their content. Um, you know, and, uh, and yeah, they, that content could legitimately lead to an emotional response. Um, but you'll note that it's not an emotional response for the sake of the emotional response. It's an emotional response that's driven by the content because, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, you know. So let me ask you this question. Apologia Pilgrim. Uh, when I think about your uh, your latest album, in fact, let me do this. Let me let me pull this up. Um, uh, there we go. All right. Uh, so uh, this this is still the Bandcamp version of it because uh, you know when we're recording this, the the, uh, the Apple Music version isn't isn't quite out yet, but it's uh, it should be out by the time we put this out. Um, as I think about your latest album, one of the things that strikes me is is that this is nothing like uh, the latest album by Elevation Worship or uh, you know, Hillsong. Uh, this is more akin to hymns, and and so uh, you know because there's each and every song there is a driving message behind them. Um, how's it, how well has it been received by the uh, you know by folks in the NAR? <laughs> well, it's 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 hard to it's hard to gauge really because you know I'm kind of a I'm not a fanfare release person. Mm-hmm. Um, it just uh, 
I, once once the album was ready, I kind of really only um, promoted it via a mailing list that I that I still have, um, mm-hmm. which is quite you know it's quite small. It's only a few thousand people. Um, so there's there's not a lot of promotion and stuff behind it, and um, I'm not even really um, that good at the whole social media platforms. Um, so I I'm pretty sure like a, a lot of a lot of people that I know here actually still haven't heard it or or know okay. about it. But uh, of of people that I know, you know, have heard it and do know about it. Um, it's there's been like actually very little response um because i think you know that the musicians that i that were part of my past um are are kind of i think they uh, they they only have to see the title of it and that it's a cross um and and I think that's just straight away. It's just like, you know, uh, I've kind of, <laughs> I've gone back to being all reformed, and uh-huh. and uh, you know, it's um, I to me the songs are 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 a bit more, they're like prayers. Mm-hmm. Quite a few, you know. I think I sort of um, I sing them in the sort of um, first person. Um, as like a prayer to God, um, they're not they're not kind of songs that are that are going to be corporately sung by people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in the whole Christian music scene, it's like um, if you want if you want people to be listening to your music, then you kind of really you, you need to write stuff like what they're all listening to already mm-hmm. um i mean it it's like modern modern songwriting modern hymn writing has become almost like there are there's certain formulas you know that you follow and uh well i, I don't write songs like that <laughs> right um yeah yep, so it's so it's not you know it, it's like um i think within the sort of Christian audience, um, a lot of people just want want something to put on that's easy listening or they can kind of sing along to. Um, it's uh, when, it, when you're considering how many people are kind of actually listening to uh, lyrics um, and thinking about them, um, it's kind of your audience has already shrunk to being pretty small. Um, I think, you know, and musicians who are not really too bothered about the lyrics, um, they, they are very positive about the album because they, they like the musicianship. They like the arrangements. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, they, they, they can, appreciate it as a song you know um like friends who actually aren't christians who who don't listen to christian music um have actually (laughs) probably responded more positively uh to the album than christians 
wow. that I know. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've found so far. Yeah, okay. Um, it's not, it doesn't it doesn't fall into the category of popular Christian music. No, it doesn't. But but that is not an indictment against it. I think it's more of an indictment against what's popular Christian music is today, mm. uh, which is so, so shallow and so thin. Uh, in fact, I would even note that uh, certain songs nowadays, they're not only shallow and thin, they're even heretical. You know, uh, somebody asked me, said, why don't we ever, uh, why don't we ever sing that particular song? He says, because that ain't what the Bible teaches and we don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, l- 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 let, me, let me. Yeah, let me. Let me do this here. I, and zooming in on your uh, on on your titles for your music. We're we're not going to play samples here, but uh, you know, two kind two kind of stick out at the moment here. Meology and Dream Destiny. Okay, <laughs> cracks me up for titles here. Tell me what this song is about. Meology, and uh, you know, and as as the artist who put who put this piece of art together and mixed it with a specific message, uh, what is the message that this song conveys? Even before the emotion, but what is the message it conveys? Well, what one of the um, the the things that I had to I had to really rethink. Um, when I kind of came out of this um, NAR type environment, um, was how how I pray, mm-hmm. and and also um, I'd had you know over a decade of being taught about how to hear the voice of God you know, for yourself, as in personal God speaking to you. Um, I had, um, at different times, I had leaders, um, conference speakers, you know, who who would pray for me um, and who would say things like, you know, there's an anointing on you to hear God speak. You're going to hear God speak to you. You're going. You're going to be able to hear God speak to you. And uh, and I actually, I I find it I find it frustrating, um, in a way because I would I would think well, when I when I sit to pray or when I'm out walking and I and I'm praying, um. So I just have to be silent and wait and listen. And, and then I'm thinking, right, okay, I'm thinking stuff here, but is it just my thoughts? Is it my imagination? Is, you know, how do I know if it's God's voice? Um, <laughs> yep. but, I de- but I desperately, I desperately wanted to hear God speak to me, you know, and answer some of my questions and, and guide me on certain decisions. And, and I, I used to spend, you know, quite a lot of time. We lived beside a river and we had a little bit of a jetty at the river. And, and I used to go down to this jetty with, with the purpose of 
just being still and praying and contemplating, meditating and waiting to hear God speak to me. And uh, and I was, <laughs> I used to get just, I'd get frustrated, you know, um, and uh, and I I never thought of actually opening up my Bible <laughs> and reading it. <laughs> Wait, you're gonna hear the God's so, voice, but you you're listening at the jet. You're for speaking in the wind at the jetty, but you, you <laughs> by opening up a Bible and actually hearing the voice of and, God and, in the scriptures. And, but here's the thing: I that is because there was so much teaching on that um in this environment there would be conferences on you know learning to hear god speak um we had we had people give um sermons you know sermons on how to tune in to the voice of god and and uh the that um you know that twisting of John chapter 10. Yeah. You know, whereas um, the sheep know my voice. And uh, and I and I really, I actually thought at times, what is wrong with me? You know, I would even hear teaching that kind of almost suggested that, well, of course, we're supposed to hear God speak to us. It's like, you know, it's meant to be a two-way conversation in this relationship. And if you if you're not hearing God speak to you, well, you should maybe ask the question: Are you really, truly a believer? Have you really got the Holy Spirit? Uh huh. So that's what that's what the song is about. It was about that starting off with that kind of waiting. Um. And then real, then realizing, you know, um, coming out of this whole paradigm of, of, of theology, this kind of theology, that um, that this is not how I this is not how I hear God speak. Yeah. It was like you know my that was the thing I think I felt most convicted and repentant about was how I had my attitude to scripture, how I had like just not bothered, how I how I had like been so like greedy to read all these other books, yeah. you know, and uh, hadn't actually read and studied the Bible. And it was actually, um, it was reading, starting to read the Bible for myself that actually um, got me to wake up to, yeah. um, to, the, to the false theology, to the twisted ideas, to, you know, to actually be able for myself to discern that there's something wrong here, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not right. And uh, nobody, nobody ever had came up to me and challenged uh, me about, 
you know, the environment that I was in. No one ever came up and said, you know, are you sure, you know, that you're hearing the truth? Every Sunday, nobody ever said anything. I, I literally, um, I, ironically, at, at the church that I was getting all this kind of not so good theology, you know, which was really um, a spillover from Bethel, um, from a pastor who had, you know, 12 years ago brought Bill Johnson over to speak and then put himself under the apostolic covering of Bethel, of Bill Johnson. And from that from that point forward, everything that we everything that we did um, in the church was kind of modeled on what Bethel did. So there had to be um, a, a supernatural school, you know. Mm. There had to be. There was all the all the theology, like dominionism and seven mountain mandate, and you know, um, dream interpretation and all that stuff. All came like lotting in, and uh, um, but at that, but it was at that church that one one um, person got up one Sunday, and. Uh, he was he was a person who had done who had theology training, but he wasn't an ordained minister or pastor. He um, he just was kind of you know now and again he would come on and do some Bible teaching. And that particular Sunday, he he just said, you know, we all need to be reading, studying the Bible. Yep. And uh, and he actually he actually gave an invitation for people who who really sensed conviction about it to stand up and to be accountable to someone, yeah. you know, stand up to say, I've neglected this. I, I know that I need to return to the Bible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a church environment where usually the appeal on a Sunday at the end of a, of a talk was for people, you know, who wanted prayer or ministry. And I bet there would have been like several hundred people mm -hmm. going to the front and that Sunday, there was there was probably between twenty and thirty people out of a thousand that stood up, and uh, and and that was that was the start for me. That was um, in about October twenty nineteen. Okay. And and over the next few months, I was like, ooh, something's going on here. I've been deceived, and yeah. uh, and yeah, uh, and then whenever I kind of really kind of had the complete falling apart <laughs> experience. It was yeah. just the start of, of the pandemic. So, uh, okay. Let me, uh, let me pull up an, uh, another one from the list. Long answer. Sorry. That was a long answer to one question about one. Not, not a problem. I know I, you, you got a note here is that in ants and asking you the question, what is this song about? It is packed not only with a message, but it's also packed with your experiences mm -hmm. and what you were feeling and what you were going through, the confusion that you felt and as a result of the false teaching that you had. And then and then conversely, then how God's word opened your eyes. This this is a you, you, that's that's a lot to say in a five minute song. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Here, here's another one of uh, uh, again a longer song. You know, this is not a three minute song. This isn't designed to be played on the radio. Uh, but uh, the name of the song is Certainty, and it has a question mark. Certainty question mark. Tell me what this particular song that you put together is about. What 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 is it that uh, you want you wanted this song to convey? Well, I I think what what sort of happened as I start as I started to read the Bible, um, and then began to think, really, have I been that wrong? Have I been that far off track? Um, mm. How could that happen to to somebody who's really, you know, was a genuine Christian who was born again at an earlier part in my life? Um, and also it was the start of lockdown and I ended up with a house full of young people and uh, into a lot of conversations about faith, about Christianity, does God exist, you know, Bible's just an old, you know, archaic book of, you know, cultural myths and stuff. Um, mm. How can we even know, how can you even know we can trust it? And, and you know, how, how, can you be, how can you be sure Jesus rose from the dead? And all these kind of questions. And I, and I was really, it was existential crisis, angst. Like I, I found it very overwhelming and that was kind of what you know i i found um your channel i found um i, I discovered alicia childers um melissa doherty um holly pivot uh during virtue all just a whole gamut of people and also some of the um the kind of christian apologetics like stand to reason and cross-examined mm -hmm. and and so I, I began to kind of look, look into the history, uh, which I'd never done. And you said earlier, like, Christians just have no clue about the history of, of our faith. That started to just totally blow my mind. And then the whole reliability of scripture and textual criticism and how um the canon of scripture was put together i was yes. like this is this is incredible and it and also some of the apologetics um uh arguments so i had i had gone from you know being sort of really really going to the depths of doubting and and asking myself, what do I believe? It was like it's, it it suddenly became like you know belief believe. It's just this little word, but it's just packed with um, significance. It's like, what do I really believe? Do I, if I really believe this, how can I continue to live? like that mm -hmm. and you know i i find the the more that i i read about the bible the history of the church and the 
the martyrdom of believers and the persecution of believers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, these people died for this belief. You know, like, really? Is it, is it, am I that certain of what I believe that, you know, I would die for it? Like, you, you need to be pretty certain of something. And it's funny, I was, uh, there was a discussion recently, you know, that I listened to about, you know, the apostles and, uh, and their, you know, their willingness to endure the persecution and everything. This was one of the, you know, great um, arguments for the resurrection. And I had people say, yeah, but sure, people in other religions die for what they believe. And I said, yeah, but other people will die for something they they really believe is true. Yep. But, you know, the apostles, nobody dies for something they know isn't true, is a lie. It just doesn't happen. Yep. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I just start to become so, like, so certain of what I what I believe and so much more confident in stating it, talking about it. Um, and I put the question mark on there because um, this this word certainty, there's even like Christians who really don't like <laughs> you yeah. to say that you're, that you're certain of, of what you hope for. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's also that sort of whole, like, well, everybody just says, yeah, you can't really be certain about anything. Um, <laughs> but they're and, certain uh, about that. They're certain about not being certain about anything. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and it was just the, the certainty, um, about the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. and who he is. And why, you know, I am gonna, I am gonna believe what Jesus has said <laughs> about yeah. things um, with certainty. I, I mean, I, I think I, I think I am certain. I think I have certainty now. Um, whereas before, it was just, it was just so many questions about yeah. about everything, and so. Um, uh, I thought to try and kind of, you know, get that into a song, that process mm-hmm. of um, thinking about it and and um, and also, you know, the whole um, line that was so ingrained in my thinking from before was, you know, faith is really spelt r-i-s-k yeah that was that's the whole thing you know about when you're being um taught in that whole um you know theology of speaking um out words and having faith that you know what you're declaring and speaking out has authority so that um 
you know, and, and it would be like, you have to, you just have to step out and take the risk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, and, which uh, is, that is not exactly what faith is. It's a, faith is something different than this. Faith yeah. might result in risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, that for sure may be the case, but not not some kind of willy nilly presumptuous you know risk. Uh, it, it's the risk that comes with. I am certain that Christ has bled and died for my sins. That He's risen bodily from the grave. That He's ascended into heaven. That He's with me now. And He has told us in Scripture to to proclaim Him and Him crucified for our sins to all nations, including my nation. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to take the risk of losing life and reputation. Yeah. For before this faith, but you know, for them, when they talk about faith being risk, uh, they're saying, "Well, if you you got to show God that you really have faith in Him, so you got to take this leap into the darkness and and uh, empty out your bank account and send it to uh, uh, to me, and uh, and and show <laughs> yeah. show yeah. God that you're you're, you're, you're that you're really yeah. willing to take the risk that knowing that He'll take care of you. <laughs> that this is this is how they talk, you know. Yeah. So so, so it was that it was a trans, it was that sort of moving from from having been kind of taught that understanding of faith to realizing that it's actually it's trusting yeah you know it's it's me putting my trust in what jesus has said what his word says and i there there are things that are still a mystery Mm -hmm. there are things that i that i i will never understand um, but now they don't, they don't overwhelm me the same yeah. way because I just think ultimately I, I trust, I trust God to do what is right. I trust yeah. him to do what is right. So even though I, I don't understand how things work out or why things happen that way, um, it's like, I, I don't need to know now. Because yeah. um, I trust him. I trust. I trust what we've been told. Um, and all and, of that and, in, in a song. Can you? All of that in a song. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks um, for making my point. You're, you're you're doing a good job of making the point that I'm trying to make. And and uh, and and that is is that each and every one of us, every generation of Christians, we've had to wrestle. Uh, against the temptations of the devil, the world, our own sinful flesh. We've even had to wrestle with God and his word, and and God the Holy Spirit through his word has had to produce in us uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But God oftentimes takes us through, uh, through suffering and pain and difficulty that ultimately will help better produce that fruit. Uh, a friend of mine uh, has a, a wonderful book, and the name of the book is called Limping with God. And it's a wonderful story. It, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful exegesis through the story of Jacob, you know, the, the, the guy who becomes Israel, his name becomes mm-hmm. Israel. Uh, and uh, from, his, from the time of his, uh, you know, his conception, uh, to, you know, he, he and his brother fought in his mother's womb. Uh, and then uh, all the way, you know, all the way through the rest of his story, even during the dark days when, uh, you know, when Joseph was gone. Uh, and uh, and God, you know, God didn't let on at all that Joseph was still alive. He thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's it's a a wonderful look at just how messy and difficult Christian discipleship is. 
And uh, if there was ever a guy in the Bible that, you know, that should never be considered a believer held up for us to like, you know, to emulate, it would be Jacob because the guy is a complete deceiver and con man. And just, he's got so many problems and sitting there going, why does God hold this guy up? Because you know, yeah. the reality is this is we're all just as screwed up as he is. And uh, yeah. our, our, the course Great. of our discipleship is, is, marred by these incidences but he he refers to these times when you know it just seems like god is far off he he calls these um you know the the he calls them like a winters of uh, of you know fruitful winters is what he calls them it's a fruitful mm-hmm. winter you know you know where god takes these difficulties in our lives and and it's in them that he produces in us uh, the things that uh, we need produce, but we wouldn't have never even sought for, you know. And so you, 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 you are describing a part of your life that was a fruitful winter for you. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the pandemics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The fruitful pandemic. Yeah. 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 So, well, yeah, I, we've been at this for uh, more than an hour. Holy smokes. I, and, 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 uh, and that's I, only two songs. And that's only two songs. But uh, that, 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 if this doesn't whet people's appetite for, you know, for actually more yeah. meaningful Christian art in the form of music. Uh, then, uh, then, uh, then, uh, then I, I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're left to only praying for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way I can put it. Let me, let me remind everybody. Uh, the name of the album is Apologia Pilgrim. And we'll put a link down to the Bandcamp uh, version of it, too. And by the time we broadcast this interview, uh, her, her album should be available on Apple Music. And we'll provide the link for that as well when the time comes. Uh, so, uh, but uh, it's worth the listen as you uh, work your way through uh, the the artwork that conveys some very important messages, messages that I think a lot more Christians need to hear and consider and ponder, even in their own piety, and ask themselves the same questions that uh, Joe has needed to ask herself in her journey and her discipleship with Christ, and uh, and and uh, and and she can say along with Jacob and the rest of us, yeah, yeah, your your <laughs> discipleship journey has uh, taken some pretty, t- taking some down some pretty weird alleys. But uh, we we praise God for His faithfulness, and yeah. uh, and through His Word straightening us out. So, again, thank you for uh, your time, Joe. It was a pleasure to oh, uh, interview pleasure. you a second time. Oh, it's always good to chat. <laughs> yes, thanks, so. Chris. All right, peace to you, sister, and uh, stay stay I'm on. Uh, I, I'm just going to sign off with the with the viewers, and then we'll we'll come back and chat for a minute. Okay. So. If you found this to be helpful, um, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. I'd like to give a shout out and a thank you to all the people that help make Fighting for the Faith possible. Yes, we are sp- we are actually funded by our audience, you. And uh, those of you who are, uh, support us financially and are members of our crew, uh, again, big thank you. Without your help, we could not be doing what we're doing. And if you would like to join our crew and support us financially, all the information on how you can join our cl- crew is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.